tonight is kind of a, a bittersweet night. If you, if you came in and you're like, what's with all the neon signs that are up? Uh, tonight's the, the last night I'm actually teaching before me and my family pick up and we are moving to Texas uh, next week, the, the, the day before Father's Day. And um, that wasn't intentional. I wasn't trying to get out of getting my dad a Father's Day gift. <laughs> It's just kind of how the cards fell. Uh, but, but yeah, a lot of you are already aware of that, and I'm going to talk about that tonight for a little bit. Um, but, but before I get into that, something I always strive to do whenever I am in the pulpit is, you know, when I'm, when I'm in a crowd, whether it's at church or anywhere else, and someone's presenting or talking, I love to be able to relate to them, to, uh, to have that personal element and to, to see into their life. So I always do my best to talk about my kids or, or talk about my home life just because I think people enjoy that. And so usually it's my buddy Gavin. He's almost four years old and he just graduated uh, K3 last week. And uh, yeah, big accomplishment. And he's, just, he's in that age where he's, he's obsessed with me. Everything I do, he wants to do. Everything I like, he likes. And uh, it's, it's just awesome. It kind of hurts Katie's feelings sometimes because he said, I'm his best friend. I said, well, what is mommy? He goes, she's the best babysitter. <laughs> she didn't like that. He means well. But he, uh, th- his last day of school, I guess, since Father's Day is, is closed, they had all the kids uh, do these little projects for their dads. And it was a, a, a sheet with blanks. And so the kids gave answers about their dads and the teachers filled that in. And so I wanted to share Gavin's with y'all. I think we have a picture. And if it's hard to read, I- I'll read this to you. It says, my daddy's name is Lee. He is old years old, <laughs> big tall, and weighs four pounds. His favorite food is carrots. My daddy is really good at lots of stuff. He loves to exercise. My favorite thing to do with my dad is play basketball. I am just like my dad because I play all the time. (laughs) What I love most about my daddy is that he's my best friend. It makes dad happy when I love him. And uh, the funniest part about this to me is is not even that that he said I weigh four pounds, but that he said I liked carrots. Because of all the things, I, I pretty much will eat anything, but carrots is just one of those things. I'm just like, eh, I don't really care for it. So I don't know where he got that, but he's very uh, imaginative. And at the bottom there, it says that he, it says, I drew a picture of my daddy on the back. And I think we have a, a picture of that as well. There we go. This is not a school for the arts that he was in. It's just preschool. But anyways, yeah, he's a blast and he's the, the oldest of our two. And he's excited about the move to Texas. Um, he, he knows that he's going to have a new church and new friends and uh, a new school. But I don't think he realizes exactly how far away Texas is. And so we're going to be uh, racking up the uh, travel miles with Southwest. Actually, my parents will probably be racking up more than us. And uh, that's why we have Skype and FaceTime and ways to keep in touch. But this is a, a big step and a big season. And like I said, most of you probably know about it. But I wanted to take a little bit of time tonight just to share my heart share what God has been doing in our lives and and kind of the reasoning and and what's going on as we step into this next season. First of all, know that it's a good thing. It's a God thing and God's in the details and uh, we've just experienced his favor upon this whole process. But to kind of, kind of recap, um, my wife, Katie and I, we've been married over five years now. And uh, in that time, we've had two kids. We've grown in our roles with ministry and in our careers and, uh, uh, made new friends and, and been planted here and serving. And we, we bought our first home and flipped that at the end of last year. And that actually allowed us to get into a new home. And just a, a lot of cool things happening. We've been thriving doing life here in Ocala. Uh, but with all the good that was going on, 
probably just a year or so in our marriage, I think we both began to sense this stirring that home wasn't always going to be here. This would always be home, but maybe this geographically wouldn't be where we always were. And, and there was no like specifics to that. There was no clarity. Like we had this, thus saith the Lord moment um, where God told us we were going somewhere else. But we just kind of felt this sense that one day we, we, we might move away and that we would agree to remain open to that. And so uh, we, we kind of, you know, like I said, we've just been thriving the last few years. And if you know the Gilligan family at all, I'm definitely the homebody of the kids. Uh, I'm the oldest, but I'm always the one who's stuck closest to home and closest to mom and dad. And the others have always been a little more independent. And I think I always thought I would be here for the long haul. And I think public expectation was probably that I would be here for the long haul. But the last few years, God's just really began to do some things in my heart and in mine and Katie's hearts together. Now, a lot of you know me uh, within the context of my pastoral role. I see you on Sundays and Wednesdays, and you see me in the pulpit, or I've prayed with you at the altar, or loved on you in the hallway, or, or, or you've seen that ministry side of it. But then on the day-to-day basis, my role here uh, is a little different. I graduated from college with my degree in communications, and my uh, focus was graphic design and marketing and branding and those types of things. And so I, uh, on the day-to-day, my, my main duties here on staff is overseeing all that, overseeing a lot of our communications. And anything you see visual um, in, in print or on the web or, or anywhere has my thumbprint on it, and I help oversee a lot of those areas uh, that make that stuff happen, because I, I'm passionate about that. I'm not just passionate about communicating verbally, but I like to communicate through all mediums, and digital creative mediums are, is one of those realms. And in the day and age in which we live, people have to have a digital presence. They, you have to have a brand. And even churches have a brand. And it's not that you make church a business, but here's the deal. Everyone is selling something. Everyone is marketing something. And, and you have food commercials and you have clothing lines. You have all this stuff that's being blasted at people. And I think gone are the days that churches should not be, have something that presents well. Yes, we have the greatest message to ever present and the gospel stands on its own. But for people who don't have any church experience or they've only ever seen church in a bad light, I'm passionate about, about making church look legit and, and showing people that this is exciting and what, that Jesus is doing amazing things in the local church, not just here, but all over the world. So with that said, that ties directly in with kind of what I do here on a day-to-day basis. Um, And I will make a disclaimer. If you've had an issue with the live stream, I'll blame that on the IT department. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I I love the IT department. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Because what happens is people find out, oh, you're over the website. And they're like, well, the live stream cut out or the volume was down. I'm like, uh, ask Pastor Steve. Sorry, Pastor Steve. (laughs) Getting back on track. I'm, I'm just totally kidding. Um. Where was I at? <laughs> okay, going back a few years, I began to get this sense and the stirring in my spirit that I wanted to not just be able to do what I do here just for Meadowbrook, but to somehow take that and to begin with to partner with other ministries, other small businesses, partner with other organizations to give them those same services. For churches who maybe don't have someone on staff to do that or don't even know where to start in regards to that. And so through some cool connections, I began working with some uh, churches, one up in D.C. and just some different uh, churches all over the area. And through connections actually that Meadowbrook has made through partnering with ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches, and uh, some friends out at Gateway in Texas, and just a lot of cool opportunities, I've been able to network work and expand that. And I just kind of seen some things aligned that it was like, you know what, this is more than just happenstance. I believe God is setting some things up. And so two years back, Katie and I, we begin to get some clarity that, you know, this was something we could see ourselves doing full time, stepping out in this type of created 
creative uh, venture to equip the local church with, with branding and marketing and, and those types of things. And so um, I didn't have a timeline. I didn't even really have a, a big plan about it, but I just knew like this is something I want to do. So we, we prayed on it, and, and it, was, it was very hard to weigh and to talk through because in the same time that I have all these passions stirring, I'm also stepping out in my role uh, as a pastor. And my dad's really begun to mentor me and to pour into me and to give me opportunities to teach. And, and I've just fallen in love with the people of this community and, and being able to share and minister on a regular basis. And so that's made it hard because it's not like I have a bad scenario and then something else I want to do that I consider more fun. It's like two great things, and it's like just trying to decide for what's God's will, when do I move, what direction do I go, and so I made sure not just to like internalize all this, but my dad's not just my dad, he's my pastor, he's my boss, he's my friend, he's my mentor, Um, when God speaks to you, I believe he doesn't just speak to you, but he speaks to people in your life who have vested interests and care about you, so who better than my dad, my pastor, my boss, right? So we've had an ongoing dialogue throughout these last couple years, and about a year ago, it was right after the birth of our daughter, I just strongly felt that Texas was where we were supposed to go, and we knew what we were supposed to do. And so I said, Dad, here it is. Like, I, I just really have clarity, and, and I feel like we're to make this step. And so we talked about it at length, and we didn't really have—we felt like timing may have been off. So we just agreed to kind of shelf it and cover it in prayer and see what God did over the next year. And so things kind of got busy. We had a newborn baby. We were headed in the holidays. We flipped our house and then had favor getting into another house. And so that was kind of all just a rush— and it was no sooner than the first week that we were in our new house, we're not even unpacked, and stronger than ever, I feel God pressing on me that the time to move was very close. And I'm like, why, why would I have such favor with, with this move only to turn around and move again? I kind of felt foolish. So I began to seek God and pray even harder. And in, in the house we're in now, I actually have my own space. Like I have a study and an office. And so I could close the door and actually get some quiet time to seek God. And so we were really just pressing in. And then some things happened in our life that were just, uh, I think, really attacks of the enemy to try and distract us and kind of derail us from what God was showing us. And uh, so a few months back, a, a close ministry friend um, advised Katie and I, she, she encouraged, you know, I think there's this conference that you should go to, and it's at Gateway Church in, in South Lake, Texas, which is just outside of Dallas. And so she advised us to go to that. Well, she had no clue of what God was already putting in our hearts, that, that we were feeling Texas. And so I'm like, is this like a trick? Is this like dangling a carrot? Like, I know why I'm supposed to go to this conference, and I want to go and receive what God has for me and my wife. But yeah, I'm fully aware that this is the exact place that I felt God was pulling us, not just to Texas, but to Gateway Church, to, to be planted and not necessarily on staff, but to be in a serving capacity, just, uh, you know, boots on the ground serving and being part of that local church. And we've had some great friendships develop in that area. And so I didn't tell her any of that. We just uh, were getting ready for the conference and I talked to my dad a bit. I said, Dad, here's what Katie and I are believing for. And we, we actually wrote out the things specifically we were believing for God to do. And um, this conference is really focused on spiritual growth and personal healing. And so we were going for that. But my dad told me this. He said, every time in my life that I've had something specifically I was believing for, and I, and I, and I trusted God and waited on him for that, not only did he show himself faithful in that area, but there's always that X factor. There's always that extra thing where the Spirit will confirm something within you when you least expect it, or will show you something new, and you're like, wow, where did that come from? And it's that X factor. And so we went out there, and we had an amazing few days at this conference, and, and just really received what we went out there 
hoping to find and uh, just really encountered God in a fresh new way. But we came back with the total 100% confirmation that we knew this was the time that we were proactively supposed to pick up and relocate to Texas. So when we get back to town, Katie was like gung-ho. She's like ready, let's do it. And me, I'm just, remember I'm the homebody, okay? So I start processing it. I'm trying to talk myself out of it. And uh, I prayed on it for another week or so. And it was just, without a shadow of a doubt, I knew God was saying, this is it. This is the place. This is the time. And so we, we talked to our families. We announced our plans to my dad. And, and then from there, talked to the leadership on staff, our close friends, and then the staff, and then have recently uh, announced it to the church body. Um, the last two weeks, Pastor Tim has announced that. We sent out a church email from myself and put that on Facebook and Twitter just because we want it to be in the open. We want it, everyone to know what's going on, that this is a good thing. But I'll be honest, um, for so long, I felt these stirrings. I felt these things that God was, was putting in my heart, but I uh, avoided being proactive about them for the wrong reasons. The things that were keeping me uh, for, from actually doing anything on it or praying or pushing was fear, it was insecurity, it was doubt in myself, it was worrying how will other people react. Because to the public, uh, like no one else knew what God was doing in, in me. And so there's some people who I thought, well, they'll be blindsided. And they'll be like, no, you're out of the will of God. And so there's just all these things in my head that were keeping me from taking that first step of obedience. And, and I strongly felt, this was the day before I talked to my dad to let him know we were officially moving. I, uh, I, I was looking past step one. I knew, what, I knew that we're supposed to go to Dallas and we're supposed to go full-time with this creative venture, partnering with churches uh, to help them with their design, their marketing, and their branding. I knew what step one was and what the overall goal was, but I'm looking at all the blanks. All, all the, the question marks, all the things that I'm trying to figure out on my own. And I was driving home one night, kind of just, just anxious about the whole thing. And, and I felt like God impressed on me, take the first step, I'll show you the other steps. Walk through the first door and I will open the other doors. And I said, you know what? If God's put this in me, I'm not alone. And I don't have to figure out all these blanks. I can do my part in the natural and I can trust God, but he, if he's... Uh, orchestrating this, then he's going to uh, show me the rest. My dad's always told me if he's in part of it, he's in the rest of it. And so we took that first step and I cannot even begin to explain to you the doors of favor that have opened up. Uh, We sold our house in a matter of three days and we just bought it. And so we close on that next week. Just the connections that have um, come about uh, w- with, uh, with this business that we're launching, uh, the, the churches I've gotten in touch with, and the things that are already brewing. It's not a question of if I, I'm going to have en- enough work. At this point, it's kind of like, am I going to be able to keep up? I'm kind of feeling a little overwhelmed, but I just believe I, I-, I can't help but sense God's favor and his grace on this whole thing. The fears I had of people saying, well, you're out of the will of God, or, or, or you know, are you sure you're hearing God on this? I have not had one negative encounter. Everyone's been encouraging and prayerful and supportive. And uh, the people closest to me, our leadership and our staff and our friends uh, have not just released us to go, but have empowered us to go. They're sending us. They're happy for us. And um, we're just so aware of, of what God is doing. And, and like I said, those question marks, there's still more question marks. I mean, we're still in Ocala. You know, there's, there's a big journey ahead of us, but I'm so excited to watch God as he shows himself faithful through this process. And also, I'll say one thing, um, and this is, is not, a, not against anyone, but I've had some people approach me, and I know their hearts are completely right, and they say, well, you know you will be back. You know you are going to take over for your dad one day, and, and, and things like that. And you know what? I'm not God. 
I'm not going to put a period on something. I'm not going to say uh, not now doesn't mean not ever. But here's what I'll say is that's not even on the radar at this point. God is saying, this is the season I have for you. I want you to be obedient in this. And so if I'm being bold enough and obedient now to take this step, then one day if he showed me that, then I would hope I'd be bold enough and obedient then to come back. But at this point, (laughs) that's not okay. You see what I'm saying? And so I'm trusting God step at a time and wherever he wants me is where I want to be. And so, um, I just wanted to take some of this time to, to share that with y'all and kind of what God is doing, but also because it directly correlates with what I want to talk to you about tonight. Uh, the things, the biggest thing that was holding me back was fear. The biggest thing that was holding me back was insecurity and, and it was fear really of, uh, not even so much of change or of failure, but fear of man. Fear of public expectation. And, and I allowed that to paralyze me and I allowed that to uh, hold me back from, from, from stepping out at first to what God was putting in my heart. And so tonight I want to talk to you guys a bit about what I've learned about the fear of God throughout this process. All of us struggle with different fears and I'm going to get into that. But the only fear that we should have in our life is the fear of God. And a lot of people have a skewed understanding of what that means, and I'm going to break it down and explain it tonight. But I want to open with this passage. Psalms 25, verses 12 through 14 says, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. One of my favorite uh, translations of the Bible is the ESV. And there's a great ESV study Bible with commentary. And it says this on that passage. It says, The faithful have a close and intimate relationship with God. In verse 12 where it says, The man who fears the Lord. It's not just the man. It refers to anyone regardless of sex or age. Anyone who fears the Lord, such a person, will know God's guidance, his blessing, and his friendship. If you fear God, you will know his guidance, his blessing, and his friendship. And so I'm going to get into the fear of God here in just a moment. But let's just back up to fear in general, okay? If you've ever had fear of any kind, let me see your hand up right now. Every, every person in this place, your hand should be up because fear is something that all of us deal with. Maybe our fears are not the same as everyone else, but there's fears that we face uh, most times on a daily basis, and we, and we struggle to overcome those fears. And I believe as long as we're on this earth, this fallen world, and, and as long as Jesus has not come back to take us, we're still going to have fears that we face. Uh, fear of change, fear of the unknown, fear of loss, fear of death, fear of things that are outside of our control. And maybe you're thinking of other fears that you battle daily, but I think the most crippling and the most constant fear that affects all of us is the fear of man. The fear of man, peer pressure, caring what other people think, most times more than we care what God thinks. The fear of man is usually what overrides the fear of God, okay? Fear of man, bad. Fear of God, good. And we've, we've gotten him backwards where we've a lot of times fear man more than we fear God. Go with me to John twelve forty two. John twelve forty two. it says, Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. For fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. And then down in verse 43, it says, For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. 
So there's these authorities, and they believe in the work that Jesus is doing, but they are too worried about what the uptight religious Pharisees think, and they're afraid of being thrown out of the synagogue, and because they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God, they don't say anything. How many times has that been us, where we compromise for fear of our reputation? We know what we believe, we, we, we know our convictions, we know the things that we uh, claim to live our lives by, but yet when push comes to shove and we're in that situation and there's other people around, how many times have we cowered or, or avoided speaking up or avoided doing the right thing because we cared too much what someone else thought? That's been all of us. We've all experienced peer pressure. We all, we all know what it, what it means to have the opportunity to do right or to say right, and because of fear of what someone thinks or, or, or if it's not the norm, you know, maybe no one else is doing that, and so we just cave and we go with the flow. All of us have experienced that. Now, here's what I want to let you know is that the fear of man, the things that go along with that, aren't in and of themselves bad. And I'll explain what I mean. The fear of man is rooted in desires. It's rooted in innate desires that every one of us have. We all desire to have approval. We all desire to be respected. We all desire to be esteemed and admired and included. We want to know that we're wanted. Uh, and, and along with the fear of man is, is other fears. It's fears of being overlooked. It's fear of being mistreated or neglected or excluded or victimized. And so these things necessarily aren't bad in and of themselves. It's not wrong to, to want to have approval. It's not wrong to want to be respected. It's not wrong to say, I don't want to be overlooked. I don't want to be mistreated. Those things are not wrong. But here is what is wrong. When those things, those legitimate desires become excessive or controlling. When that's the, the thing that's on the forefront of our thinking, the desire for approval, uh, the, the desire for, for other people to like us and to be included, when that is the most excessive thought in our head, it really dictates our behavior. And it's out of order. And, and if you're taking notes, I want you to get this. When we define ourselves by how we think people perceive us, forgetting how God sees us, that is sin. When we care so much about how other people, how we think they perceive us, more than we care about the God who created us and knows us and who has a plan for us and wants the best for us, when those things get out of order, that's a sin. And that limits our ability to trust him. It limits our ability to step out and follow him because we've got things out of order. We've put man in a place that he doesn't deserve to be. And we've, we've put our trust in, in our view of God, our fear of God. We've, we've kind of let that fall to the back burner. But he's all powerful. He's all loving. He's everywhere present. He made all of us. He should be the only one deserving of our fear. Now, let me, let me show you guys what the fear of God is. Because I realize there's a lot of people, maybe new believers unbelievers, uh, people who've been burnt by the church or have had a bad experience or their only uh, introduction to Christianity was role-focused and, and religious. And so we think of the fear of God as this. How many of y'all have ever seen the cartoon where there's a little guy and he, if he doesn't toe the line perfectly, here's this all-powerful God sitting upon his throne and he zaps him with a bolt of lightning. We've all seen that or, or pictured that. And people even make jokes about getting zapped by a bolt of lightning. Well, guess what? That's not the type of God we serve. He's not sitting up there waiting for us to mess up so that he can bust us or, or, or to damn us to hell. That's not the type of God that we serve. And so the fear of God really has nothing to do with that. The fear of God is a reverential awe. It is, is it, it is an awareness of how powerful he is, what he's done, and what he wants to do in our lives. 
And our fear should not be a fear of God in the sense that we're afraid of him or we cower away from him, but it's a fear meaning that we are afraid to do life apart from him. That we are so aware of his power and his presence in our life that we are afraid of trying to accomplish or do or pursue anything apart from his help. That is a healthy fear of God, a reverential awe that is rooted in the power of our all-powerful God. Now, the, uh, the Proverbs is, is what is known as the wisdom book. And throughout uh, that book, we, we learn about knowledge and understanding and wisdom. But one of the core themes in the Proverbs is the fear of God or the fear of the Lord. And so I want to show you a couple scriptures here. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So knowledge, wisdom, is rooted in the fear of the Lord. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So obviously, fools care more about man. They fear man more than they fear God. And so the fear of man equates to foolish behavior in the eyes of God. If we want wisdom, if we want knowledge and understanding, it's rooted in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So to fear God is to hate evil. But if we live a life of pride and arrogance and, and, and living in evil ways, that God doesn't like that. And, and our pastor has, has taught us before a, a good definition for the fear of God is to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. Love what God loves and hate what God hates. So that's, that's really what the fear of God is. Now, what does the fear of God produce in our life? What is the benefit of having a healthy fear and reverence for who God is? We've, we've heard about the Ten Commandments. And a lot of people think of that hand in hand with that bolt of lightning analogy. That if you mess up one of the Ten Commandments, that, that's it. You're done. Zap. It's over. Okay? But really, that, that's not what it's about. And I want you to go with me to Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 2. It says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Fear the Lord your God, keep his commandments, and your days will be long. And so it's not that we keep his commandments so that we stay out of trouble, but we should be motivated to fear God and keep his commandments, seeing the blessing that it produces in our life, that our days will be long. The fear of God produces life. It produces blessings. It produces provision in your life. Proverbs 19.23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whosoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Psalms 25 verses 12 through 14 says, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. I think it's pretty clear there's a direct correlation when we have a healthy reverence and fear for God that it produces guidance, it produces rest, it produces well-being, it produces life. Our offspring shall inherit the land. It goes on and on. And these are just a few references that point out the benefits that it produces in our life. So we've realized and we've covered that the fear of man uh, affects all of us. 
and that usually it causes us to compromise or to cower back from doing what we know is right. And we see that the, the fear of God is a good thing, and it should be first and foremost the way in which we're operating, seeing the blessing that it yields when we keep his commandments. But it's not so easy to just say, okay, I'm done fear man, and now I'll fear God. It's not so easy. Every day we face fear pre- uh, peer pressure. It's right in front of us. And when it's something that you've dealt with on an ongoing basis, it's hard. It's not just an instantaneous victory. We, we, there's some daily steps that we've got to take to help us get to a place where we don't fear man and we operate in a healthy fear of God. And so I have a couple of things that I want to show you guys tonight. The first is transformation. Transformation. All of us, uh, uh, by nature of being sons and daughters of God, through the, the price that he paid, there's a, a level of transformation that takes place in our life as believers. However, there is a responsibility upon us uh, that has to do with a daily transformation. Just because we accept him and claim to love him doesn't mean that we're now perfect and we're going to get everything right. The same things you've struggled with today and deal with today, when you wake up tomorrow, they're going to be knocking at your door. You're going to be facing those same temptations. And so... Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so renewal is not a once and for all deal. When you, when you subscribe to a magazine and you renew that subscription, it's good for a period of time, but then you have to re-up. You have to renew. Contracts are the, are the same way. So it's the same thing with our mind. Daily, we have to renew our mind. Daily, we have to choose to focus on the things of heaven and not the things of earth. Focus on what is good and what is life-giving and not what is evil and what would bring us down. We have to choose to renew our mind. Secondly, it says, by testing, we may discern what is the will of God? And so really here to test God, it's not like we're playing games with God, but really what I think it means is that we put our faith to work. We see God's promises. We see what his word says, and we are bold enough to step out in faith and obedience, put that faith to work, put it to the test, and watch God prove himself. Watch God prove himself. The only thing that is an indicator of us uh, having future hope is his past faithfulness. And there may be people here tonight and you say, well, God's never been faithful to me. Well, you're here right now. There's breath in your lungs. I, I believe God has a plan and a purpose for you. And if you look back on your life, I promise you, you can find times where there was goodness and there was mercy and there was protection that was shown to you. And you didn't know the source, but I'm telling you, it was God watching over you. And God is faithful and he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And so it's a very cool process because, okay, if we had a God who never made good on his word, who never looked out for us, left us high and dry, what incentive then is there to continue to put our faith to the test or or, or to put our trust in him or to want to pursue obedience? But we have a God who is faithful even when we are faithless. And when we put our faith to work, he proves himself faithful and that makes obedience come easier. I can follow a God who cares about me and who has a plan for me and continually shows himself faithful. And so that transformation leads directly to obedience through renewing our mind, putting our faith to the test, and watching our faithful God come through time and again. That produces obedience, that transformation. So the second thing that we need to do and and crossing over from fear of man to the fear of God is this, that we obey the authority that God has put in our life. We make a decision 
A conscious decision, whether we agree or not, to obey the authority that he has put in our life. Not just our perfect leaders, not just the leaders that we agree with, but all leaders in your life, anyone who has authority over you, that you submit and you respect, not unto them, but realizing that it's unto God. So I don't care if you agree with them. I don't care if they have a perfect track record. Our president, our government leaders, your boss, your pastors, your teachers, whoever it would be that you are under their authority, that you would submit to that authority, realizing that it's unto God. Ephesians 6, 5 says, To obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. So don't just comply. Don't just say, well, I'll obey and I'll respect because I have to. But from the heart, make the conscious effort to obey and to submit and realize that God sees that and he will return good unto you. That, that your obedience is not just unto that man or that woman or whoever's in authority over you, but it's as unto God. So transformation obedience to all authority in your life. And then the third thing and the biggest thing is this, that we would abandon the comfortable. Abandon the comfortable. And that's maybe strong verbiage, um, but every one of us has comfort zones. Every one of us has areas in our life where we're comfortable and we're familiar and we're secure. And so we operate within those comfort zones. And, And hear me, comfort is not a bad thing. Familiarity is not a bad thing, but we get so focused on comfort and familiarity when God has more. But we miss it because we're just looking within our, our, our realm of comfort. And we, we operate in insecurity. We let our insecurities hold us in those places rather than trust God and maybe allow ourselves to be a little bit stretched beyond our comfort zone. If you're taking notes, write this down. When we, su- when we find sufficiency in anything other than Christ— It stops us from doing what God wants us to do. When we find sufficiency in anything other than Christ, it stops us from doing what God wants us to do. When you find your sufficiency in your job, or in your comfort, or in your what is just familiar, or what you've always done, when that's where your sufficiency is, and that's all you uh, focus on, I believe you have a limited view, and it holds you back from greater. It holds you back from more. It holds you back from some of the things God may be stirring in you and wants you to step out and follow him. And I can speak directly on this because this has been the, the, the battle. This has been the, the road that I've been walking is, is that I was allowing my comforts and maybe what was familiar and what was good, things that I knew, allow that to keep me where I was. And so I'm focused on this circle. And I said, no, I'm comfortable here. I like it here. I, I don't want to step out of this. And God has this aerial view where just outside of that circle where I can't see is this uncharted territory that he's ready to lead me into and say there's blessing waiting. There's influence waiting. There's things that I want to do. And if you would just look up and, and be willing to get a little bit uncomfortable and allow me to stretch you, there's so much more that I want to show you. And I hope that that bears witness with some of you tonight. Maybe there's things in your life and you just get so uh, you just go with the flow. You've got your routine. You, 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 you've done the same thing uh, the same way forever. And, and you, don't, you don't like change. And, and so maybe there's something, it even brings about excitement in you. But because of fear or because of comfort, you're not really pursuing it. You're kind of saying, eh, nah, I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at. But here's the encouraging thing. The, the call of God, while it may take you out of your comfort zone, 
he's never going to take you out of your sweet spot. Okay? It may take you out of your comfort zone. There may be a period where you're uncomfortable. You know, when we grow, sometimes that's uncomfortable. Like physically, like uh, children hit growth spurts. There's, there's growing and stretching, and sometimes it's uncomfortable, but it yields greater results. And it's the same thing with our lives. There may be periods of growth that are uncomfortable or take us out of what we know, but God is not going to take you out of your sweet spot. He's not going to say, step out of your comfort zone, and I'm going to take you over here to call you to do something you hate that you're not even good at. That's not how he works. He's given each and every one of you divine gifts, divine callings, and he has uncharted territory he wants to lead you into where you're going to flourish and where he's going to stretch those giftings and stretch those callings and those passions and those pursuits. But we've got to be willing to abandon the comfortable. We've got to be willing to step out if God is calling us to do so. So if we want to overcome fear and insecurity, we've got to continually transform ourselves. We've got to submit to all authority in our life, and we have to be willing to step out and abandon the comfortable. Luke 9.23 says this. This is Jesus. He said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And as believers... We, we all, there's the great commission to go into the world to teach the gospel and make disciples. That applies to all of us. I don't care what your vocation is. I don't care what your day-to-day responsibilities are. We all have realms of influence. We all have circles. We all have people that we come in touch with. And God wants to do things through us. But it's going to take us denying ourselves, denying our comfort, denying our pleasure, denying what is familiar, denying our insecurity, denying the fear of man or the fear of change daily. Be willing to take up our cross and follow him wherever he goes, wherever he would lead us, realizing that if he's calling you, he's going to be with you. If he's showing you something right here, he's going to show you the rest. If he's asked you to take that first step, he's going to show you the other steps to take. You are not alone. Be willing to step out boldly. Fear God more than anything else. Before every decision, you got to ask yourself, what do I fear more, God or man? Fear of man, bad. Doesn't produce anything good. Fear of God, incredible. It's submission. It's all, it's an awareness of how good he is and that he wants to do amazing things in us and through us. And the answer to that question, who do I fear more, God or man, that ultimately is going to dictate our next steps. It's going to dictate our patterns of thinking. And we've got to get that right. And I'll leave you with this. If you fear God, there's nothing else to fear. If you fear God, there is nothing else to fear. You're never alone. You're never without help. He can dream bigger than you could ever expect. He can do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ask or hope for. And he wants to blow you away. He's got plans for all of us. And my prayer for all of you is that this is kind of, you know, just a personal message because this is something I've taken out of the season, taking into this next season that God is showing me all the time. That while taking a big step can be uncomfortable, he's with me in it. And he'll be with you. And there's nothing else to fear. He's with you. Fear God. You have nothing else to fear. Did y'all get anything at all out of this tonight? Why don't you stand to your feet with me tonight?